Blog Talk Radio. against COVID, the nurses, the doctors, the auxiliary staff, 
We appreciate everything you people are doing to keep us uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Um, well, guys, it's been a uh, tonight's going to be one hell of a night. You got what uh, three boxing matches and, and two major uh, UFC matches, uh, and uh, you know after a drought, dry stuff. I don't know if I have enough uh, room in my TiVo. Well, <laughs> get all of it. <laughs> let's uh, uh, let's uh, first let's uh, start with we got uh, tonight. We have uh, Bob from the uh, far west corner of the world, uh, from uh, Fort Pendleton. Uh, we got uh, Chris from uh, beautiful downtown Concordville, uh, uh, and we have uh, Ty and Tito from uh, Newcastle. So uh, it's great to have the full staff back. And uh, tonight we're going to be joined by uh, our good friend uh, Bernard Fernandez. Uh, oh, wow. He's got some good things to say, and uh, so we're going to talk to him. Uh, but I want to start, I guess. Uh, looks like the jackal has struck again. Carl Frampton uh, stopped uh, uh, Taylor, Taylor in, uh, in the seventh. What, what do you think of that fight, uh, well, it was a tune-up for Carl Frampton, but he has been looking great lately. He has been looking a little bit flat. Uh, but, you know, he's had that, that tune-up in flying colors, and he's ready for bigger and better things. He's uh, scheduled, not scheduled, but it's been bantied about for quite some time that he's going to face Jameel Herring, and he just needed to get through this fight to do so. So uh, that looks like it's going to be next for him. Jameel Herring, I think at best at 130. So, uh, you know, Carl... Frampton admits that he's at stages of his career, and he's looking to make one more definitive run. So we'll see what happens. Lee, what was your thoughts? Uh, absolutely, I agree with Ty. Carl Frampton is—he's uh, been through a lot. He—he's uh, he's fought very quality people, and he, I mean, he's—he's he's a veteran. Um, and he—I mean, he's—he's he's a guy who—I mean, he has very good skills, but. Call Frampton, he he doesn't mind mixing it up, and he's been through a lot of mix-ups. So he he is on uh, to the tail end of his career, but he still has something left. Um, at 130 against these guys nowadays, I don't know. I think he may. I mean, I think he may be a little past it, but I mean, you know, who's the, who's to tell? As, as we we see in boxing. Well, you know what? See, he's a little past it. He's a little small. Um, but yeah. what he's really shooting for is, is becoming the first Irishman to win four uh, titles in four different divisions. And so, you know, doing that at 130 would allow him to achieve that goal. So, uh, and Jamil Herring's not a big puncher. So, we'll see. But you're right. You're right. It's a little, little long in the tooth right now. You know, uh, something else that came up uh, this week, I, I tried to get up to uh, – to the gym to, to see uh, Keith. A um, couple things that come up. Keith, uh, number one, uh, is being talked about a fight uh, in December with uh, Kel Brook. Um, I haven't seen anything other than the announcement that he was looking to fight, uh, but then I did see that he's in a war of words with uh, uh, Mr. Ker- uh, Terrence Crawford uh, over a, uh, a large amount of money that uh, has been offered for the fight. Um, and so let's go with uh, um, 
Chris, what do you think, uh, Keith Thurman against Kell Brook? I don't know. To be honest with you, he's just taking this fight as a a, a tune-up. I mean, why is he doing this? Is, it, is the other one being being uh, stalled? This fight with the Crawford. Who's stolen that? The money? Well, actually, is that what? No. Is that, uh, is that Keith, what it is? Keith called him out. Keith called him out and, and right. had a purse behind it. And Crawford hasn't said yes or no, but uh, um, we're waiting to see what his answer is. Uh, I guess we'll get that sometime next week. Well, you're going to have to get that from Bob Arum. <laughs> oh, yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. You know, <laughs> you, know you got to get that from him. Uh, you might as well forget calling him out. You know, see, right. see how mad Aaron is. Aaron, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I like um, – I, I don't see the, the purpose in fighting uh, Kell Brook now. I think he should right. just—it's uh, not going to help him that much. Uh, no. I would—I'd give, give the other guy a little bit more time, and then I'd say, okay, I'll take the fight. He's got to fight because he right. doesn't fight that much anyway. So it's—he right. needs Crawford. a tune-up. Yeah, well, you know, both, both, of, both them. of them. Crawford doesn't fight that much. Neither does uh, right. uh, Keith. I mean, I—you right. know. They let a lot of money go out out the door in their career, you know, by mm-hmm. by waiting a year, eight months. You got to make it while the you know while the hay's growing. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. Got to you know you're not going to be uh, thirty forever. You know you got to get the hell in there and fight, make your money, and hope you hope you do the right thing with it. But uh, yeah, well, keep. Uh, I'd, I'd like, I'd like to see Crawford end. and I. I'd like to see Crawford and Keith. I'd like to see that fight more than I would mm-hmm. Kel Brook and Keith. Kel yeah. Brook is one of those guys that doesn't know what weight division he belongs in, you know. Yeah. And and uh, you know, you know, I can make this, I can make that, but he, 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 I think his best days are, are beyond them. I think he's right. just in there to make a few bucks, and which is you know that's what fighters are for. Mm-hmm. But uh, right. I, I'd, I'd like to see something happen. I haven't seen a good fight in a long while. A live one, anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs> a good one today. Oh, that was a good one today. Was oh, yeah. there, you know, that was oh, a good goodness. one today. Oh, oh my, my damn. Holy cow. <laughs> Dr. Chris, Dr. Chris. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Well. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired watching I'm, reruns. I'm the rerun oh, king. Oh, you, oh, wait till you see the rerun of today's fight that oh, happened yeah. in the UK just uh, oh, concluded uh, maybe about an hour ago. Conclusive, yeah, concluded, conclusively concluded. Conclusively concluded. I'm watching MMA and I'm watching that now. Last night I watched the little guy, five foot six. There's no way you could pack another quarter ounce of muscle on a guy. He didn't know how to go to the ground, but he, he wanted with a right hand. He was fighting a guy a couple inches taller, um, uh, but, but the whole fight was boxing. This one little guy, five foot six, he, he he won the fight pure boxing. He didn't go to the floor one time in in, in, in the three rounds, three five minute rounds. I'm trying to think of his name now. Maybe it might have been yeah, Wilcox, something like. It was it was a Bellator card on last night. In fact. Yeah. That Ian Nelkoff yeah, won the heavy, light heavyweight title from Ryan Bader. Knocked Ryan Bader out. That was entertaining. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. Yeah. But I, yeah, I did yeah, watch the other. 
Yeah. Uh, Zito, if you get a chance, go to uh, YouTube and, and take a look at it. It's, it's <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like what I saw today. What I, I mean, wow. <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's wow. It's like the fans. Knockout of the year. Like, clear. Yeah, that's like clear front for knockout of the year. I, I, I got right YouTube on my TV, but I don't know how to get it. I got to get my <laughs> grandson to show me how to get it. Well, this was terrible? the final fight card from Fight Camp uh, put together by Eddie Hearn on the zone, and the main event was Dillian White against uh, Alexander Kovetkin. And, yeah. uh, I mean, Dillian White is a guy I really, I really, really enjoy and really like and admire because he's a guy who fights anybody, anytime, he's taking the toughest competition, and he's constantly gotten better. He came to the sport from kickboxing a yep. little late, but he's really improved his craft, and he looked phenomenal tonight. He, uh, he was, I mean, uh, really, really improved his jab, his defense, throwing a beautiful jab, was slipping under uh, Povetkin's hooks, and when he wasn't slipping under him, he was catching him with the with the glove, blocking him with the right hand, uh, and, t- and he dropped Povetkin twice in the like in the third round, in the fourth. and in then the in, fourth. The, in the fourth round he dropped him twice. So he comes out in the fifth round, he starts to put put it on Povetkin a little bit again. He throws the jab, Povetkin slips. And instead of coming with the left hook, he slides the uppercut right in between Dylan White's gloves, knocks him cold. He falls flat, stiff as a tree. Uh, wow. Thunderous, shocking knockout after he was being dominated and beaten up, quite frankly, for four rounds. <laughs> <laughs> then he, he turned the tables and knocked the other, he knocked out Gail White. He knocked out, knocked cold. him out. Cold, 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 cold. Wow. And, uh, he, wow. Dr. Chris, will it? Right now, it's clearly going to be the front runner for for knockout of the year. Clearly, specifically due to, due to the context of the fight, because you know, I mean, uh, Povetkin was getting he was getting beaten and battered from pillar to post until he landed that short little uppercut. And Dylan White was throwing some beautiful short shots that dropped Povetkin. Beckham caught him with a short uppercut, and that was it, man. Cold, Doctor Chris. And. And, it's, uh, it's seldom you see anybody get knocked out by an uppercut, but oh. uh, he must have caught him just right. Well, oh, yeah, he, he caught him right Floyd under the Povetkin, chin. He had Floyd, Floyd Povetkin with a very similar short uppercut uh, at the end of the fourth round. But, man, he's wow. right at the point of the chin. Dylan White went straight back, arms straight out, and just fell stiff as a board, head bounced off the canvas. He was out <laughs> before <laughs> and, he hit the canvas. And it's funny because Dylan White, it, he was pacing himself. So you could see him, like, from round one. I thought he lost round one just just because he didn't do too much. He he, started, he established a bit of his jab. Round two, he really started getting his jab off. Round three, he started stepping up his work and laying some, some good shots on Povetkin. Um, and round four, that's when he put Povetkin down twice. What, Dylan, um, what Povetkin was doing... Povetkin, when he came in on Dylan, Dylan would high guard and shell up. And Povetkin was coming around a lot to the body. He would yep. throw hooks to the body. Um, he did that mostly every time he come in, left hand dominant. So really, I mean, uh, I mean, he, mm-hmm. what happened when how he got in was Povetkin. He jabbed and then he dipped. And when he dipped, yep. Dylan White they tossed the he tossed the right. He tossed the right. And Povetkin, when he slipped up under the right, 
and when he slipped up under the right, I think Dylan White was like, oh, you know, he, Dylan White, he directed yeah. my body. And, yeah, he, and he like got he his hands dropping. in position to block, to block the body shot and the a left hook. He, he, yep, he was it, tucked. Yep. He, had his, he was in position to block the shot. If had Pavette could come with a hook, <laughs> body yeah. or head, we, Dylan he White would probably went ahead and broken him down. Yep. But he did. Defensive position. But what yeah, happened he when did. he came in between, it, it mm-hmm. was it was the it was the only clear shot he had. And when he yep. did, he he dipped when he dipped down, his natural leverage brought him up. So he just brought up and as you're taught, you're supposed to shoot up. And yep. the way the fight was going, you see things going and next thing you know, I see Dylan White's head go up and I oh. thought he was gonna keep flipping. Actually I thought he, you know, I blinked and I thought he flipped, landed on the seat and then went down. Because I, I just it looked like he was going to keep going. So, I, I mean, thought he was going to get knocked to the moon. I thought I was watching the cartoon for a second. When his head went up, I said, "Is he about to like? Is his head going to come off? Like it, you just it's crazy, out of no place." But what it was is both. You know what it was too, and 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 credit to Dylan White. It, this is what I love about boxing. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't make no. a mistake. <laughs> he didn't. In fact, even when he dropped Pavekin. It's not like Pavetkin made mistakes either. These, this was high-quality stuff by both guys. Literally, yeah. he had been throwing a hook. You know, Pavetkin's a big hooker. This one time, he came right up the middle with the uppercut. It was the one time he really threw it. And it I mean, it was, yeah. there it was. Well, are they going to rerun that tonight? Or did, I mean, you say it was only in the afternoon. Is it going to come on again tonight? I don't know. It was, it, you know, it was a U.K. card, so the main event yeah. usually comes on a little after oh, 5. Oh, okay. Uh, and it I was on The Zone. So I know uh, The Zone has on demand, but I don't know if you have that app. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I wonder yeah. what's going to happen now but because Whitehead. You know it will be on YouTube, Dr. Chris. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 I don't know how to get YouTube. I don't know what the hell to do with my, my TV. Ah. I'm not good at I'm not good at this. My grandson comes on. He, I love when he comes over. We watch all the old fights, everything. I really enjoy it, and I got to get him to write it down. And I, if I do it once, I'll know what I'm doing. You know. There it is. And okay. Yeah, I love I love to have you too. So much oh, on. I mean, you know. Wait till you see this. Jeez. Well, I, I wonder what happened now with uh, Dylan White because he had a couple things that were. Uh, on the horizon that he was supposed to fight. I wonder where, what, like, that'll put that in jeopardy, don't you think? Uh, you know, well, put it, well, put it in, in Enderdy is done. Mm-hmm. Well, Povetkin <laughs> goes on. Dylan White was, he was, he had been number one contender for the WBC belt for two or three years. Ever. Um, Ever. And he was supposed to go right into negotiations with Tyson Fury's camp, who's the WBC champ man. Right. Um, if Tyson Fury would not have defended against Dylan White, he would have been stripped. Dylan White would have probably right. had an opportunity at the very least to fight for the vacant belt. There was a good chance that Tyson Fury might have went ahead and, and, and allowed himself to be vacated. Or he, so, mm-hmm. so either way, Dylan White's next fight was for the title, period, period. Ass up in smoke. And you know what? It, it was always Dylan White's been 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 kind of walking his tightrope for about you know two years now, where he's been sitting in that number one position for the WBC. The WBC just never enforced the mandatory. And then when Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder happened, they they allowed all that to happen. So he had been sitting in that position through that whole time. They just it wasn't enforced. 
And so finally, the WBC enforced the mandatory. So it has to happen now. One way or the other, Dylan White's next fight had to be for the title. Um, and again, he had been fighting this tightrope. He had fought Joseph Parker, and he had fought Oscar Rivas and, and Derek Chisora again, and now Alexander Perfekin. And then finally, when he right there, right at the penultimate step, blew up in his face. Literally blew up in his face. Yeah. Under his face. Um, Eddie Hearn. Yeah. Is, uh, so, <laughs> Eddie Hearn was talking uh, in the in the post fight interview. Um, that they're going to exercise the rematch clause, um, Pavekian against White. So, I mean, that, that that's kind of apparently what it's going to be. Um, he said, and he put an end, to, he, was, he basically was like, well, you know, the fight, you know, Dylan White was the only person as far as Tyson Fury that they contacted. So, you know, yeah. Pavekian won't be fighting Tyson Fury. No. He made that clear. So, I yeah, mean. Pavekian is just, they, he's just what? His last fight was a draw with Michael Hunter. How good is Michael Hunter? Exactly. And before that, he was knocked out by uh, – or he had, no, he had a win before that. But before that, he was knocked out by Anthony Joshua. Joshua. And, and you know what? It's funny because Michael Hunter, you know, he, he dropped Pavekin, and he kind of faded towards the end, and Pavekin rallied enough to secure yeah. a draw. Mostly everybody thought Michael Hunter won. <laughs> and everybody was saying, you know, it's Pavekin just so long in the tooth, and that's why Michael Hunter did well. What people fail to realize is Michael Hunter doesn't get the respect because he's an undersized heavyweight. To this mm-hmm. day, the only person he's actually lost to, and, and he lost clearly, but it was competitive, was Alexander Usyk. So... You know, I think sometimes, you know, we need to reevaluate different fighters. You know, Michael Hunter, again, just doesn't get that respect because he's a small heavyweight. But the fact of the matter is he's only lost to one of the very best top five fighters in the world today. And one thing is, Dylan White, I mean, as good as he's become, he's good, but he's a guy who... Pavekin is, I mean, in his heyday, was simple and playing cleaner. And he's, he's, he's yeah. more, I mean, he's, yeah. he's more experienced, but yeah. at the end of the day, Dylan White, his technique is tremendous. But as far oh. as this cleaner, it, sharper, I mean, just, just getting it's always going to be Pavekin. So, I mean, that amateur that, pedigree, that plays, that amateur pedigree exactly. man. Yeah, exactly. So that plays a large part of that. That's why I was surprised Dylan White was matching him for technique, actually, for most of the fight. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, he was no more leaky than Pavekin. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, Dylan White's a guy who gets hit a lot, and he usually fights his way out of trouble. This is a fight where he wasn't giving up shots. He got caught with oh. something that he didn't see coming, and he got caught with something that nine out of ten heavyweights today wouldn't have, an opening they wouldn't have found. It, it took a guy exactly. that experienced and that crafty to find that shot. It really did. All right. But uh, another one I wanted to ask you, well, I want to go back to to, uh, to Terrence Crawford. I mean, he's always been, been – they've always said that he's picked his weak opponents so that he can, uh, he can win the fight. But do you think there is a chance that he takes the contract with, with Keith Thurman this, for December? I think Dr. Chris actually stated it best. First of all, social media makes fights seem closer to being made than they actually are. It really does. Because the fighters could banner back and forth, talk trash amongst each other. Uh, Social media gets excited, and it makes it seem like the fight is there, but it's nowhere near being made. Uh, Dr. Chris 
stated it eloquently. Keith better talk to Bob Arum, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what has to happen. And <laughs> not saying that Bob Arum is not willing to negotiate, but is Al Heyman and PBC willing to negotiate Keith? Don't know that. Right. Um, Bo, Bo Mack, who was, you know, Bo McIntyre, who was uh, Ted Crawford's, uh, Terrence Crawford's trainer, has stated that Keith asked for this exorbitant amount. So we don't know if that's true. But nonetheless, yeah. what it comes down to is, is even if Keith has asked for, say, $10 million, which was the amount Bo Mack said he asked for, which is, I think, equivalent to right. what he got for Pacquiao, even if Keith right. has asked for that, whether he's worth that, you know, at this time, you know, through the pandemic and everything is one thing to consider. However, he could also be worth that to Terrence Crawford's legacy. Uh, Terrence Crawford has fought no one of note, no one who's considered elite at welterweight. One of the reasons why Keith has called out um, Kel Brook is because Terrence Crawford looks like he was either going to fight Manny Pacquiao or Kel Brook. So by Keith calling out Kel Brook, you got to talk your Terrence Crawford into a quarter in a sense. Uh, as far as Kel Brook goes, Kel Brook, like Dr. Keith said, you know, he's a guy, Kel Brook's ballsy as hell. And he's a guy who went straight from 147 to fight Triple G at 160 when he was a killer. And after Kel Brook showed Triple G was human, that's when everybody else started fighting him. So I'll, I will always respect him. Then he lost all that weight, came back down, and, and basically got out hustled by Earl Spence in another ocular fracture. Uh, orbital fracture, uh, second fight in a row. So, like, he's a ballsy, tough guy, but he's a guy who's passed it, a guy who really struggled to make 147. Now he's trying to make it at 34 years old when he hasn't made it in seven years or so since the Earl Spence fight. Nah, you know, it's not a great fight, either one of them against Keith, or against Kel Brook necessarily. But I think what Keith is doing is trying to play a little gamesmanship. Yeah, it's yeah. worth it. Good. Oh yeah, it's 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 worth it's worth it for uh, Keith Thurman. I mean, to be honest, sure. at this point yeah. in time, um, it, it, it's a it's a stay busy fight. First of all, it so there is a jab at uh, Crawford, and if you're gonna fight Cal uh, uh, Brook, this is the right time. This is the right time yeah. because I think he's close I mean, to Cal retirement. Cal is a dangerous guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not—he's nothing to really be taken lightly. But no. I think he's close to retirement, and, and this is the best time just because I, I think just after uh, Doctor Chris said it right. I mean, he, he kind of the weight. I think that yeah. that weight move yeah. kind of that that jiggle with his career a bit. So yeah. uh, and he and has everybody to do the knows Kell Brook is no longer anything at one forty-seven. He, he's weight drained at one forty-seven. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, as I said, all benefit for Keith. I mean, he got he got a name on his resume. I mean, he, I, mean I don't see the see the downside outside of having to fight Kell Brook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, what it is is again, obviously, Terrence Crawford, Manny Pacquiao is probably more than likely not going to fight Terrence Crawford. If it couldn't be made when Bob Arum was no. his promoter, it's not going to be made now. And so it looks like it could be made because Bob Arum has been in talk with Kel Brooks people. He said that's a relatively easy fight to make. Make we could do it in a bubble in Vegas. So by Keith calling out Terrence Crawford, then in turn calling out Kel Brook, playing gamesmanship. 
Hey guys, we're we're joined by uh, our, our Western correspondent, our far Western correspondent, uh, Bob. Bob, how you doing tonight? Uh, good, Frank. Thanks. Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm losing in and out of connection and stuff out here on the West Coast, different time frame. But good to hear you guys, Ty Z, Doctor Chris. Yeah. Hey, Bob. Uh, good to talk to you. Uh, how'd you enjoy Sturgis? How's it going? I never made it. My truck broke down. It's still in West Virginia. I had to leave it behind. The bike, the Harley, the whole Never made it. I I spent a week with them trying to get it fixed, and uh, uh, they seemed to not be able to figure it out. So my wife was on the timetable. Mine was more of a a getaway vacation, so they ruined that. But I had to make sure she got across. So I hopped a single-engine plane, jumped back to Baltimore, uh, and then drove her across. Now we're out in San Diego. It's a damn good thing you didn't go to there now. Twenty-eight uh, new new uh, cases of COVID out there from it from what, the rally in California. Oh, from the rally. No, yeah. co- no, and uh, at the rally at Sturgis, they're, they're finding it at least twenty-eight in one bar, and they're they're looking at the the rest of the uh, people that were out there. That there seems to be a um, a major outbreak at, at uh, Sturgis this year. Yeah, I heard there was one fellow that that showed up and then announced that he had it. And told you know the times and, and uh, location of where he was, and uh, that's actually a bar that I used to uh, uh, visit when I was out there. So maybe it worked out for the best, you know. Yeah, <laughs> sir. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, Bob, can you give us an update on the Amanda Nunes uh, defeating uh, uh, Megan Anderson in US um, UFCF two uh, fifty? In, in in the last two fifty. Um, yeah, that was a, a vicious. I mean, Nunes is just a specimen, you know. So uh, they, they're, they're putting a rematch together already for December. Um, but uh, so defending that title was awesome, you know. Um, but yeah, that, I didn't, I uh, didn't get to see it as much in, in depth as, as I wanted to. Um, so I apologize. Hey, can I ask Bob a question? Hey. Yeah. Bob, did you get to see uh, Nemkov against Bader last night? No, I didn't see that either, man. I apologize. This whole time schedule and difference and moving, trying to find a house has been pretty hectic. Well, you know, uh, Vadim Nemkov, the 27-year-old Russian, Fedor Emelianenko's protege, uh, uh-huh, stop, right? uh, knocked out Lion Bader in the second round last night to take the Bellator light heavyweight title. <laughs> that guy is a beast. He he's, yeah. he's, he he throws with the thunder. I mean, they're, those Russians oh. are coming over, bringing the hate. You know what I mean? Very well rounded too. Yeah, I mean they've got the wrestling, and so they're they're coming up and they're they're throwing those bombs when they're on their feet. But you don't want to go to the ground with any of them, you know. And and, yeah. and people know that. So so that's that's kind of keeping people on their feet. So it gives them a chance. It's almost like cherry picking. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bob, Didn't feed on that right? No, it, it went, no, that's not how it happened. No, Bader, Bader knocked Fedor out. I know, I remember that's how it happened. Yeah, that's yeah, how Bader, Bader, that was that Bader was one Bader on the map. Yeah. Bob, what do you think about? Hey, Bob, what do you think of Stipe? What do you think of Stipe beating Cormier? Stipe, you want to see that one? Yeah, that was their that was their third roundabout. Um, there was there was rumor that if if DC see D, Dana White didn't think that DC was going to retire. DC was kind of retired. Um, you know, he he comes back for the third one of that. 
DC is going to want to go out on top. DC is a champion. DC is not always my favorite guy. We've talked about that before. Um, you know yeah. what I mean? I, you know, I, but I can't take anything from him as an athlete, as, as a person, you know, I don't know him. Uh-huh. So um, just his style, you know what I mean? But, but he is a phenomenal athlete. There's nothing to be questioned uh-huh. there. He's beat deep baby four. He, he's beat the top guys as a, as a light heavyweight and as a heavyweight. So there's no disputing anything about DC. DC will go down in the history books. Um, having said that, um, Steve, a, you know, uh, uh, you know, Cormier took the fight for a purse. We all know we've talked about the money coming in. Um, Cormier's, you know, biggest deal right now outside of fighting is he's like commentating. Well, commentating, you're not going to get paid that much versus his other guys are getting, you know, uh, TV commercials and stuff like that. And everyone's trying to get that green after they retire. So um, the comeback fight against Steepy was, it was perfectly set up because they both won one, um, one knockout from the other. Um, so they, they matched He's been hungry. Stipe, they want up on top. Stipe can sell tickets. Um, you know, DC just, I mean, he has a, a following from res- people that respect fighting. You know what I mean? But they, they, he didn't have the following of, you know, that, oh, look, it's a Roman gladiator. I'm just going to watch because, you know, my girlfriend likes his abs. You know what I mean? So that they, they want be on top so db you know can sell more tickets everyone wants to see the gladiator and then there's some other guys on deck but i don't think steve or i don't think uh, dc retires after this i think he comes back tries uh. to take the belt try to out on top um that's just my thoughts he could he could go either way um but yeah w- uh, well-deserved wind over steepy or uh, uh steepy beat dc this last time so uh you know if dc does come back um you know he'll have to work his way up the ranks yeah, but then, you know, you follow that, you know, they, they had his, you know, tussles back and forth with John Jones and John Jones just to relinquish his title as well. So we've got two yeah, title fights coming up, up real quick. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Hey guys, we're, uh, we're joined by a, a good friend of ours, uh, a man who has, has been, wrote uh, uh, sports articles for over 50 years, 28 of those years with the, uh, with the, the Philadelphia daily news. He, he covered every major fight uh, in the country and in the world, actually, uh, and uh, he has a, a new book out, um, uh, Champions Rounds. Uh, it's uh, 1999 at, on uh, Amazon. Everybody listening, uh, get a hold of it because it is great. Uh, he's originally born in, in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. He's the son of a former police captain down there, which puts him number one in my book. He's a former Marine, which puts him number one in my book. Uh, he's got uh, 35 years of boxing history um, and covering uh, things. Uh, the forward in his book was done by a, a good friend of his, uh, George Foreman. And uh, if anybody wants to read it, uh, just uh, look uh, up some of the uh, galleys on it uh, where you see uh, people like uh, Lee Samuels from uh, Top Rank. Uh, says it's a must-read for every boxing fan. Totally beyond awesome. Uh, Bernard has put his, his heart and soul into the book and uh, some of the best boxing. So uh, with that, we're going to bring in uh, Bernard Fernandez from the beautiful downtown Havertown, Pennsylvania. Bernard, that's how are you doing tonight? That's, that's close Drexel enough. Hill, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> One post book over. <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, we enter the Hall of Fame phase of our show. Yeah, where do I send the check with that really nice uh, uh, comment about about my book? Man, that was great. Everybody should read. You it. could send it to Ty Parquet, Wilmington, Delaware. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
It's going to get to you faster, too, because you're right there. <laughs> yeah. Bernard, what did you think of tonight's fight? Or today's fight? Well, you mean, you know, the uh, uh, Alvarez and uh, and Smith? I'm yeah, looking the, forward uh, to it. Uh, you know, but, but earlier today, um, I, I looked on the uh, zone and, and – um, uh, candidate for for knockout of the year with uh, Pavel. Oh, front runner, Joe. Front runner, Bernard. Front runner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was that was uh, that was great. You know, uh, the uh, the rematch between uh, uh, Katie Taylor and um, and Prasoon, you know, yeah. was was uh, was, 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 was pretty good. It was re- very reminiscent of their first fight. And yeah. uh, so now I'm, I'm I'm watching ESPN Plus, and you know, this is great. You know, to have. Uh, have boxing. I, I don't have to watch the Phillies game. They're, they're, um, I, I just sent a tweet out a little while ago saying that the Phillies bullpen, you know, those guys get hit harder than, you know, than oh, and you know, uh, Dillian White. Wow. Oh, wow. That was pretty damn hard. So. Yeah. You remember those, Charlie, you know, the, those peanut commercials where Charlie Brown with the line drives through the box and Knocking his socks off. You know, that's that's what they've been doing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Girardi hasn't had a chance to change anything there at all. <laughs> How about when That's they lost Charlie. seven to nothing? What what the hell? Who do you blame that on? That seven to nothing loss. That was disgraceful. They were up seven to nothing and lost the damn game. I I haven't turned them on since. I won't even watch them anymore. I'm so damn mad over that. But aren't I, but what are they with, going to oh, do? I mean, yeah, with the boxing that was on tonight, I wasn't going to watch the Phillies anyway. And in between yeah. the Phillies and, <laughs> and the Sixers, I mean, you know, it's like enough to, oh. to give me perpetual upset stomach. Yeah, definitely, especially with the uh, with a screw up of a beat uh, last night, uh, giving the game away. But uh, I, I've been waiting all week to ask you a question. Um, Oscar uh, De La Hoya says he's coming back. Um, into back boxing. Uh, what's your thought on that? Do they have to start a new uh, a new weight class at two fifty five to two three hundred or what? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, this whole thing uh, with with Mike Tyson and, and and Roy Jones. Although I really don't think that's going to happen because you know I saw that Roy Jones said, "Wait a second, I need to get more money." And I said, "Okay, that's a death knell to that." You know, it's not. I don't believe it's going to happen. But you know the thing. You know, Golden Boy has had some problems, and Oscar used to be his own best client. And um, you know, Ray Leonard once one time told me that all these guys had come back and then retire and come back. He said that it's only human nature, not only for 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 fighters who used to be great, but all human beings. This is human nature for us to always think of ourselves as the best we ever were. And, um, you know, uh, there are times when I'd like to think that that 150-pound Marine that I used to be is still in here somewhere, but, you know, but I, I, I can't exactly pull them up whenever I want to. Actually, I can't pull them up at all. But um, so I, I understand, you know, that, that, that he's looking at, uh, uh, some of these comebacks, you just saw, uh, you know, that uh, Sergio Martinez came back and won a fight. Um, yeah. so he's saying, well, if all these guys are going to do it, I can do it too. But it's it's not that easy. Uh, 
it may be easy if if he fights, you know, second and third tier guys. But uh, if he wants to jump back, you know, at the top level, it's it's going to not end well. It never does. You know, Chris, it's, it's something I, I forgot to mention in the in our opening here with uh, Bernard that uh, he and a good friend of yours, uh, Bo Hop, uh, were inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame on uh, June 14th of this year. Congratulations, uh, Bernard. Well, actually, we were supposed to be inducted on, on June 14th, ah. but they got this pandemic thing going on, and uh, right now, so we never. I, you know, my bio. And Bernard Hopkins is by on all the people that were in the class of 2020. Our bios are up on the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame website, which means right. I guess we're in, but we don't officially get inducted into uh, June 13th of 2021. So I don't have the rank, but um, it gives me something to look forward to. Like like to think that all this stuff will be past us by June of next year. You know, but uh, but who knows. The Hall of Fame. Well, congratulations on that honor. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, it, it's really nice. <laughs> you know, I've, I've covered many uh, Hall of Fame inductions, maybe 17, 18 of them. And, um, uh, you know, the idea of, of actually being on the stage um, is pretty intimidating, you know. Let's, say, let's, it's, let's face it's, it. You know what? The Hall of Fame is mostly about fights and fighters, not fights yeah. and writers. But when you look at people like Gary <laughs> Eisenberg and Dave Anderson, exactly. you know, and, exactly. and, and Hugh McElvaney, they're 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 in, in the uh, uh, observer category. Nigel Collins. So you know, so going in with guys like that, or going into the same category with guys like that, is is uh, uh, I'll take that. I mean, that's 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 the highlight of my career. You guys helped form the narrative that allows boxers to kind of elevate to mythic proportions historically. And I think we as fans are, are eternally grateful for that. So kudos. Well, one, the great thing about boxing, where there's a lot of great things, is that it's the easiest story in, in, in a way to write because, you know, you never hear – uh, the trainer of a fighter say, I've, I've got to look at the tape to see what happened because, you know, uh, in a football game, you've got 22 guys in the field spread out over yeah. 100, 100 yards. And so nobody can see everything, you know. Um, but in boxing, you've got two guys stripped down to their shorts. Uh, they're in a ring with, a, you know, with one, one other person, the, the referee. It's right there in front of you. It's hard to miss. Um, easy to televise. And I'll say another thing, too, and that is, is that the, the best stories come from some of the old-time trainers and, and the fighters themselves. I, I've always believed, and, and look, I'm not a, a horse racing guy, but Dick Girardi uh, covered um, uh, thoroughbred racing for, for so long for the uh, Philadelphia Daily News. He'd tell me a story about these guys that would be out there at 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever it is on the rail, you know, watching the horses. He'd talk about the hot walkers and this and so on and so forth. Those guys have great stories, and 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 the, the old-time trainers and a lot of the fighters, given their circumstances, how they came up, there's great stories there. You know, remember the the, the Ray Charles biopic, Ray, and and they asked him why why are you doing country music, you know, 
what he came out with in the, in the mid '60s. Is it's the stories, and the story. You know, there's great stories to be told in boxing, not just you know, uh, like you mentioned, championship rounds. Not just Tyson and and George Foreman and and Ray Leonard. You know, I have all those guys, but. Um, I, you know, one of my favorite stories was about uh, Craig Bojanowski, you know, the one-legged fighter who fought with the prosthesis and, and actually made it to World Championship uh, bout. And um, uh, 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 Seamus McDonough, you know, who fought Evander Holyfield and, and um, uh, in his last fight uh, before Holyfield won the title and what happened with him. These are small stories, but they're really good stories, and they're interspersed in the book along with the stories about the names that everybody knows. Great. What, uh, <clears throat> tonight's fight uh, you were talking about, so what's your thoughts on that one? Um, you know, I... I kind of like Joe Smith Jr. You know, I mean, he's he's another one of those those really interesting stories. I mean, here's a guy, you know, wears a hard hat, you know, uh, works on a like on you know on street road like grading. Same same thing with Mickey Ward, you know, and and a lunch pail carrying guy, and you know, he's the only person to have knocked out. Bernard Hopkins, admittedly, when Bernard Hopkins was 52 years old. But, but, you know, he's a great story, you know, and, and um, uh, if, you know, the uh, leader uh, Alvarez that, that, that beat Kovalev shows up, it, it, it should be a really good fight. And we were very fortunate today because it was a great day of boxing. You know, if you had, you know, if you had plus, you had plus, you know, that uh, you could watch, you could watch some, of the better fights that have been on, you know, since since the pandemic, and, you, and, the, and another plus for me is I don't have to watch the Phillies, you know, so great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were talking earlier again about uh, uh, Carl Frampton and uh, his uh, his stop in the uh, in the seventh. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that? Well, a few years ago, Carl Frampton was the BWA Fighter of the Year, you know, and and um, you know he stepped away. But it's not it's not a case like Oscar, you know, being away as many years as, as he's been away, or, or uh, Sergio Martinez being away for as many years as he's been away. He's still a relatively young guy. Um, he stepped away from boxing, but you know, wasn't for like forever, and um, so. I, I don't see any reason why he still can't, you know, be a factor. Um, Ray Leonard, you know, Ray Leonard came back what four or five times, and and um, and a couple of those times, uh, you know, he just stunned the world until, you know, the last time he he went to the well once too often against uh, Camacho, and and you know that's when he knew after that fight, you know, that right. you know I'm at finally come. Same thing happened with Bernard Hopkins. Against Joe Smith, and uh, right. uh, you, you you can push the envelope uh, as much as you can, and sometimes you get away with it. But at, at some point, it doesn't work, you know, because time is the opponent that that no fighter can can stave off eventually. And not just fighters, but 
you know, we all remember Willie Mays stumbling after fly balls uh, as a New York Met or, or, or Joe Namath trying to drop back in, in the pocket as a Los Angeles Ram on, on wreck knees. Um, you know, um, muscle memory doesn't always work. You know, once uh, once you get past the point where where the you know the pendulum swings the other way. You have a, a Philadelphia boxer there that's uh, um, ranked. I think he's ranked number five right now. Um, uh, the new uh, uh, Ray Robinson. He's, he's been trying to get a fight with uh, Crawford. It seems that Crawford keeps shying away from him because uh, I guess they they think he's going to be a little too fast for him. Um, what's your thoughts on Ray? Um, well. I know he's a Philadelphia fighter, and he's and he's really got a great name, but he, he's not the original Ray Robinson. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, he he, he boxes well. Uh, he's a southpaw. Um, you know, he can give people problems, but I don't really think that he hits nearly hard enough, you know, to to keep Terrence Crawford off of him for for long, you know, and. Um, uh, I'm not an, an odds maker, but I, I got to right. believe that. Well, what would he be? Fifteen to one, twenty to one underdog. Probably twenty to one underdog. Yeah. Probably twenty to one. You know, and um, mm-hmm. those those odds are probably accurate. You know, and and um, uh, it's it's very difficult to match him against Terence Crawford and winning on points. Um, maybe you know. The, Magic can happen with a with a knockout, but he's not a knockout puncher, particularly not against you know a guy who's in the top three or four pound for pound fighters in the world. You know, mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. The other one I want to and, and plus was, the, uh, and plus the yeah plus the fact you know that 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 is not a fight that's going to get people excited. That's one of the things that people say about Terrence Crawford. He's in a loaded yep. division, but most of the other fighters that people would want him to see are not top-ranked fighters. And, you know, they're right. not fighting on ESPN. You know, so so he he's fighting, uh, uh, you know, guys that, that you know, don't get people excited. Uh, just like... Mm-hmm. You think the people at the zone are excited about uh, Canelo Alvarez and Avni Yitarev, you know, yeah, Turkish yeah. guy. I mean, I can't pronounce his name, but yeah, Abel Yildirim. Nope, they're not excited about Yildirim. Yeah, he might. No. He might as well got be knocked out of three by Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah, yep. he might as well be, you know, the mass marvel. You know, I mean, he's from Turkey. He's not a Turkey, you know, but um, right. Or, you know, Alvarez signed a, a five-year, 11-fight deal for $365 million. So he's – I know there's a pandemic going on, but he, he's going to expect to get, what, $36, $37 million? And yeah. I can't see I can't see a, a flood of new subscribers uh, uh, signing up for DAZN to see that fight. You know, and, um, yeah. um, you know. But, you got uh, you got to have the right but, dance partner, and, and that's not the the right, right dance partner for that type of fight. Right. There's, there's a lot of a uh, lot of press lately on uh, Ryan Garcia, um, and he has a uh, a possible uh, match with uh, Luke Campbell coming up. 
Um, I guess one, I'd ask you, uh, do you think that uh, that's going to happen? And two, what's your thoughts on on Ryan Garcia? Is this all hype, or is he the tr- the real thing? Well, if he fights Campbell, you know, we'll find out one one way or the other. Mm-hmm. That that really, you know, I mean, the thing is, we all know that the familiar names. Um, we just mentioned uh, Canelo Alvarez. A lot of people said, well, mm-hmm. well, why is he fighting this guy? He, he can fight Golovkin again. You know, and certainly that would be a bigger fight, and it would have a lot more people uh, want, want to see it. But we've got to remember uh, that Golovkin is, is 39, you know, he's going to be 30. I, I'm not sure if he's current 39 yet, but he's going to be 39 year, years of age. And, you know, at some point, the big names of today have to give way to the guys who are going to be the big names of the future. And Ryan Gar- uh, Garcia could be one of those guys. And, and this is an attractive fight. It's not It's not a fight that's mainstream from the standpoint that people that aren't really hardcore boxing fans, you know, are, are dying to see. But I think people that know boxing know that that's a fight that, that's certainly worth watching if, it, in fact, it's made. Yeah. Z, you got any questions? Uh, no, I, I just want to uh, say Bernard's absolutely correct. Um, Luke, Luke Campbell's a truth machine, um, and I, to be honest, I I remember him his fight against Lomachenko, and I honestly thought it was a draw. But Luke, I mean Brian Garcia, he looks to be the truth. He looks to be the truth. Um, sometimes you could tell with eye test, but ultimately. I mean, it's the level of competition. When you start constantly facing certain levels of competition and defeating it, then you're the truth. So it's a good step here. You know, when when people step up in in competition, um, that's when you find out, you know, what what they're made of. Um, you remember a few years ago that there was a lot of buzz about Erickson Lubin. And you guys remember yeah. that he was, and 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 uh, you know goes in there and gets starched by one you know in one round by by Charlie. He's still trying to to come back you know and 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 make up for the ground that he lost. But he we lost a lot of ground with that. It's, it's really hard to make you know say that it's a plus when you get starched in one round. Um, and there are other fighters like that you know that that uh, um, they're supposed to be the next flavor of the month you know and and um, uh, to get that 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 hurdle that they don't clear, and and it's it's difficult from the, you know, to make up ground. Mm-hmm. Not so much for for like a guy like Tommy Hearns or even uh, uh, Arturo Gatti because they were so exciting and their style was so yeah. entertaining that they could lose fights, and people would still come back the next time around. You know, you can't lose like three <laughs> or four in a row, but. Um, Today's fighters, when when you've got that 15 and 0 or 17 or whatever it is, um, if you've got the zero in the loss column, um, the fighter, their manager, their promoter, they're all afraid to get that first L. And I, I don't mm-hmm. understand it because you know, um, you know, Tommy Hearns, you know, lo- loses, gets knocked out by by, by Marvin Hagler. He loses to Ray Leonard. Did, did that kill Tommy Hearns as an attraction? No, I mean everybody loses, or almost everybody loses at some point. 
And if you're entertaining enough, you know, you're not going to be damaged. There's too many. There's too many people that are in control of the fights that get made that they don't want their star attraction to get that first L. You know, and and they're, they're shortchanging all of us. You know, because mm-hmm. you know, just make the fights that people want to see. Right. Right. Ty, you got any questions? No, sir. I was just listening to the magnificent Bernard pontificate. Well, there you go, Chris. <laughs> Is that a good thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? What are we? What are we talking? I was so engrossed in what the, what he was saying. I, I didn't pay attention. What'd you say about Bernard? Yeah, I, saying, I think he no, said pontificate. Yeah, but, yeah, but you yeah. know, I remember. I remember I remember when uh, when uh, uh, Howard Cosell said something to uh, um, I don't know if he said bloviate or, or, or something to, to Muhammad Ali and, and Ali didn't know the word he said I don't know what that means but if it if it's good I'm it you know <laughs> yeah, <I'll probably> <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris you have any questions for Bernard No no I don't I just uh, I, I'm thinking about uh, his career. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that way back, not that far back, the boxing writers determined who won the fight when there was a lot of no decisions and so forth. The, the, the people used to turn to the papers and depend on the boxing writer to, to give them his opinion, and that's what they seemed like they went with. And they had a lot of stature. And we were talking about being in the Hall of Fame as a writer. Well, I mean, they called a lot of shots in the 40s and 50s. Um, they, they, they gave a, a, a major contribution to the game, the writers. Some of the New York right. writers were hysterically funny. And the, and the, the Philadelphia uh, news fighters, uh, they, were, they were good too. But I just uh, I admire what he did. That's a long time to be in the game and to watch all those fights. But at one time... Uh, I, I, you know, they they held such stature in the game of boxing because their opinions counted so much. It was probably the most honest one you're going to get. And uh, mm-hmm. I just want to congratulate him that you know that he's in the Hall of Fame. That's a an honor and yep. and even more deserving, uh, you know, the, for what they've done to the game and helped the game. Um, I re, I still remember the line that they pulled on Jake Lamada. When he got the hell beat out of him by Bob Murphy, and and he, uh, uh, what was his name? What was that writer's name now? Um, the New York writer. He said, "You know what? Lamada no gotta." You know, <laughs> well, that, that, of course that that went around the country like uh, like Dan Duva when uh, they asked Dan Duva uh, when Tyson got out of jail. They said, "Do you think Tyson Tyson will be smarter this time?" And uh, he said, what do you mean smarter? He he didn't go to Harvard. He went to jail. You know, that that was the sports quarter of the year, you know. But uh, I I just was thinking back, you know, when when, uh, you you didn't didn't say a fighter won the fight until the boxing writer, you know, 
gave his opinion of it. And uh, that's going back into the you know, late 40s, early 50s. They had a high stature in the game. So, sure. so congratulations. I, I, I've never really had a chance to say that to you, but uh, it's quite an admirable thing to, to be around a game that long and what you guys have contributed to it, you know? Yep. Well, That's yeah, Frank, Frank, Frank mentioned that, uh, you know, that my dad uh, uh, passed away in 1994, but what retired uh, from the New Orleans Police Department as a captain. But uh, what he didn't mention was that uh, he's a former pro welterweight. Um, my my proudest possession until, I, I, I guess, I get the, uh, the ring from the Hall of Fame is a poster from the 1940s. That Archie Moore is in the main event, name in big letters, and my dad was in the semi uh, semifinal windup, and his name is below Archie Moore's in smaller letters, of course, you know. And uh, so uh, I always had a I always had a, uh, a warm spot in my heart for Archie Moore. So I asked my dad, I said, um, "Were you and Archie, you know, close or whatever?" And he said, "He said when." Archie was having his hands wrapped when I when I was fighting, you know. So, but but still, you know, uh, uh, I I was I was in like fourth fifth grade when I started watching Gillette Cavalcade of Sports with my with my dad, his favorite fighter then, you know, in that that period in the in the mid 1950s was Carmen Basilio. So, you know, my oh, yeah. favorite fighter when I was a kid was Carmen Basilio, and and. The the boxing hall of fame, international boxing hall of fame is in Canastota, New York, because of Carmen Vasili, who I got to meet later. You know, uh, uh, during the times that I that I went to Canastota before he passed away. You know, so uh, you know it's it's interesting. You know, there 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 are connections there. You know, that I never never imagined, but you know. Yeah, that's great. Vasilio yeah, was quite a guy. He was a he was a funny guy, Vasilio. He want he 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 thought he was a comedian. He thought he could make a living as a comedian. That guy. He was very comical. He came to Boothwin, or little town of Boothwin, and when he worked for that beer company, uh, uh, and he he spent two two or three hours there. It, what a what a lot of fun it was to have him there. Fighters from all over the Philadelphia area, Delaware, everybody came to meet Carmen and talk to him. He didn't disappoint anybody. And just like he did, you know, when he fought, he was my favorite fighter too. Yeah, I saw every one of his fights from the time he fought uh, Billy Graham, Kid Gavilan on up, and uh, he was voted the most uh, durable fighter of the sports writers. Voted him the third most durable fighter of, of the first half century. They put him in there with Jake Lamada and. Uh, Guy named Joe Grimm, but he was a he was a treat. I mean, he gave it all. I mean, his fights with Robinson when his eye was closed. To go to all those rounds with Robinson with a closed eye. Today, you, nobody would do that today. Nobody would do that. He, they'd step out of the ring or they'd stop the fight. But his eye his eye was so bad. And yet he went 15 rounds with him. I mean, that was a hell of a he was he was just a, a tough tough guy. Um, you know uh, the one thing with Carmen Vasilio, nobody was ever going to call him a pretty boy. You know, like Oscar De La <laughs> No, like, no, all, no. All he, the fighters he, that I ever saw, he had he had a face 
that literally screamed boxer. You know, I mean, nobody had a face that looked more like a boxer than yeah. Carmen Silla. And, and, and another thing, too, he was in the Ring Magazine Fight of the Year five consecutive years from 55 through 59. I mean, who does that? You're in the Fight of the Year, and, and they, there were a lot more fights back in the 1950s. But he was in the Fight of the Year five consecutive years. That's amazing. Well, his fights with DeMarco, his fights with Robinson. I mean, they were great fights. Tony DeMarco and him out of a war twice. Uh, yep. Now, I, I, I followed his career religiously. And, uh, you know, he had, a, he had a great left hook. And uh, he, for a little guy, you know, he fought Robinson 154. I thought mm-hmm. he came in the ring a lot heavier, but he came in at 154 for that fight. And um, uh, when I saw him and met him, he's bigger than... than uh, then he looked in the ring. He's a much bigger guy. He's got big hands. Big hands. He was tough. I, I. Then he, you know, he went out. He went out gracefully. He thought he, he thought he could fight forever too. But he, after um, I think it was uh, the Fulmer beat him. I think he quit after that. I don't think he ever tried to come back after that. But uh, that was quite a career he had anyway. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned Gene Fulmer. Watching, I don't know how, how many of you guys uh, watched um, the, uh, the show on The Zone from England, but that uh, Delphine Persoon, um Yeah. You know, yeah. he doesn't. She's not. She's not a very smooth boxer, but she's pure aggression, and mm-hmm. and clumsy, effectively clumsy. And I was looking at her and I said, you know, in a way, she kind of reminds me a little of Gene Fulmer, who was was obviously a Hall of Famer, but he was never he was never pretty in the ring. He always looked like he had two left feet, and you know, and but it worked, you know. And um, yeah, that, that was a good, that was, that was he, a good fight. He was a billy goat. He ran me yep. with his head. And then, and then he got mad at Giardello when Giardello bought the, uh, nailed him back. He got furious at Giardello. He turned to the ref and said, look, this guy just headbutted me. And the ref said, you've been doing it all night. Continue fighting. You know? <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying a damn word. And, and, and uh, Giardello got a draw out in Montana. And yep. uh, he's the Montana, first man right? I, yeah. He's the first man I ever saw. Giardello is the first man I ever saw stop Gene Fulmer dead in his tracks. I mean, he, he, he Gene Fulmer tried to bully him, and he just couldn't do it. He, and he didn't know what the hell to do. Giardello, Giardello held him at range, knocked him, in, you know, lead in rights. He, he really fought a great fight that night, Giardello. But they called it a draw. But I saw Gene Fulmer in person. And, of course, when I saw him in person was years later. He had to weigh 200 pounds. His hands were like uh, so fat and heavy, and uh, his head is huge. He he got a Neanderthal type head, you know. He's got a slope to it, uh, and you like you said, they're not pretty fighters. No, nobody called them for a screen test. That's for sure. You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> they, were, they weren't a threat to any of the leading of the leading actors. Yeah, but I'm like, can I ask you guys one question? And and that question is, um, 
I am really interested and curious as to what sort of version of Errol Spence Jr. we're going to see when he gets in the ring with Danny Garcia. Um, he's been right. off a long time. Uh, he was in that car accident. I, I'm not really sure like like what his frame of mind will be. I, I did a story on him that uh, that came out in Ring Magazine and basically said that he's he's not going to drive Ferraris or cars like that now. I mean, who knows about the future? But uh, I'm just wondering that miraculously walking away from that type of accident. Um, I, I just wonder if he'll be changed as, as a fighter. Uh, I'd like to see what version of him we see against uh, against Danny Garcia. What do, what do you guys think? I, I think that it, it better be a sharp version because Danny Garcia is, is not a guy to tool around, especially if you're Earl Spence. Because uh, Earl Spence, as good as he is, um, he he his style kind of fits what Danny likes to do. Danny likes a guy to come at him. And Errol, I mean, as good as he is, Errol's a downhill fighter. He's going to come forward. Not really going to back switch. Um, to where, I mean, Errol, as, as tremendous, he has a tremendous jab, but Danny also has a pretty good jab, as shown when he was fighting Lucas Matisse. Um, with that said, Errol, I don't know if his mindset is going to be deterred as much. I think he's still, I think he's going to really be motivated um, because I think that's just the kind of guy he is. Uh, he, 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 you have guys who uh, tough guys, like you said, the Lamadas, the Basilios, uh, but then you also have guys, the cocky kind of guys, who they have so much pride that they they'll eat anything. Kind of like Ali. <laughs> so I mean and. I mean that's kind of what I say with Al Spence. He, he's a cocky guy who, who's he's not going to be defeated by anything to a certain extent. So I think he's going to have a a sharp mindset because he's going to have to. Mm-hmm. I think looking at the 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 more just human aspects of what happened, um, you know, his body has been through trauma. Period. A fight is also trauma. Uh, but his body's been through trauma. And one thing that happened is because he was in the hospital for an extended period of time, he lost weight. So normally, Errol is the guy who balloons up uh, in between camps, but not this time. Obviously, he couldn't balloon up because he was in the hospital. So he's lost weight, um, but he's also lost some muscle. I saw a video of him running. You could obviously tell he lost a little bit of muscle, but he's, he's, he's in great shape at an early stage and, and much closer to weight. And obviously, he'll naturally put that on as he's getting in better shape again. Um, so from a physical standpoint, you know, his body has to respond to this different type of trauma after the trauma of the accident. Regardless of the fact that he just walked away with some dental issues, uh, he was also walked away with a concussion. Um, and so there's a trauma that he has to overcome uh, that he's never dealt with before. Just from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, like Vito said, he's going to be highly motivated, number one, to prove to people that he's the same guy. The other thing, too, is, is a lot of times when, uh, you know, young guys who think they're invincible, well, when they have a brush with death like that, it goes one of two ways a lot of times. Either they become more cautious, just more practical, more pragmatic, or 
They tend to think they're invincible. So it will be interesting to see how he as a person processes this as he gets into live combat and his natural instincts take over. It's just going to be fascinating from that standpoint. What we have in the ring, I don't know. I really don't know because we really don't know the full scope of the damage he suffered. So I really don't know what we'll see in the ring. I th- I think he'll make a full recovery. To be honest with you, yeah. I don't think he was damaged that that bad. I I didn't read any medical stories about what was fractured, what wasn't fractured. But way back, going way back, Willie Pep was in a plane accident, and Agreed. he's so lucky to be alive. The doctors told him he never walk again. Well, in a year he was fighting um, uh, Sandy Sadler. Uh, he come back too soon. He got beat. But then he said, I want another shot. And then he, he come back again against Sadler, and he won. I mean, he was a it was the worst playing action. It was them little Piper Cubs. Those things were made of paper. And his body was destroyed. He came back. So it depends on, the, you know, the personality, the mind, the mindset of the guy. You know, I think Pep realized, damn, I was lucky that I had the career I did, and I kind of goofed off, and I, let me, give me another chance, I'll never do it again. And uh, and he, he succeeded, and he had, hell, he wound up with 230-some fights over his lifetime. And uh, he actually got a, another title shot late late in his life against uh, Hogan Kid Bassey. I, I, and he, he gave a good account of himself. So uh, you can come back. It depends on the type of fracture you had. You know, it wasn't a skull injury that uh, Spence had. Um, you know, you come back. They can set your leg. Your leg will be fine. They can set your arm and your rib. They can, doctors can put you back together again pretty good today, uh, especially in this modern era. It wasn't so good in the 40s and 50s. But uh, Ben Hogan came back from a horrible accident to win the Open. In one year. So it depends on how tough the guy was mentally. And uh, I think Earl Spence, uh, I think he's got part of that in him. I, I don't think he'll. Uh, it's going to affect him. I, I really don't. He had a good, healthy body, and he's he takes care of himself. He took care of himself up to that point. You know, he made one mistake, and he got caught. You know, that's a damn shame. But I think he'll do fine. I think he'll do fine. Hey, Flair came back from a plane crash to be a quadruple zillion time WWE World Wrestling Federation champion. So, anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was in a severe, yeah, he was in a severe plane crash yeah. in the seventies. All jokes aside, and uh, yeah. obviously he went on to have a great career in in, in uh, an entertainment field that requires much on the body. So I get what you're saying, Doctor Chris. Don't forget Vinny Pazienza with that halo that he had attached to a skull for however long. Absolutely. Came back from that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like me on the motorcycle accident in uh, in MMA. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people who did come back. It's very true. Sure. Yeah, they, they. Well, Bernard, we we uh, really appreciate you giving giving us this time, and it's, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And hope we can get you on again uh, in the near future. But uh, uh, you always have a uh, have a, a lot of insight into the boxing uh, world that uh, our listeners love to hear. Um, 
tonight we're I'm just looking at the meter. We're at uh, 261,205 uh, worldwide listeners. So uh, uh, you make uh, you make our show every time you're on. Uh, we always get a nice spike. So hey, Frank, can I, I, I leave you with one that. one last thought? And that sure. is, is that my nephew, who is watching the ESPN Plus fights with me, gave me a note and I said to remind you guys, uh, and I guess your listeners too. Um, I was never much of a social media guy, but now that I had my book out, you know, um, that uh, my actually I'm I'm kind of fooling around with Twitter a little bit now, um, and the handle or whatever it is the at the at sign thing is Go Tigers Ten. That's G E A U X Tigers Ten. That's right. That's the LSU thing. <laughs> LSU. You know, so, uh, right. you know, uh, uh, in, in case anybody wants to check that out, you know, um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, comments I'll, on I'll the, leave uh, y'all to you tonight, yeah. Yeah, I did some comments yeah. on the, 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 the show from England and probably do some, some of that a little bit later when I get off the phone with you guys. Cool. So, have I'll a great follow, night, I'll everybody. I'll definitely start following you. you well, enjoy the place, enjoy the family, you, and, and again, thanks very much for your time, and please thank your family for allowing us to have, to take up your time. Take care. Okay, take care. All right. All right. Uh, Z, you want to lead us out? Absolutely. Another wonderful show. I want to thank Bernard, and congratulations on the Hall of Fame. I want to thank Bob. I want to thank Dr. Chris, Ty, Butch, all of my Fighting Words family. These shows are definitely a memory of Bob and Coach Mel. If anyone wants to hear any Fighting Words, please do call. Ty? Hey, it was great to be here with everyone this week, especially being fully staffed. Glad to see everyone was here safe and healthy. Glad to know that Bob made it to the West Coast safe. That's the main thing. Um, yep. <laughs> hope everyone has a great week. Uh, Bob is our co-pilot. Coach Mel is watching over us. Take care. All right. See you guys. I'm going to heat up some meatloaf. I, I'm, I'm eating late there tonight. So I'll see you guys next week. All right. All right Dr. See you. All right. Goodbye, guys. I want to thank our listeners. Uh, they're always great to have you around. Uh, Ty Zito, always a perfect job, right on time every time. Um, Bob was a, was uh, wasn't able to stay with us. He lost, kept losing contact. But he'll be back next week with a, uh, a permanent uh, uh, landline. So uh, we'll have a lot more uh, uh, MMA uh, in, interesting stuff on that. Uh, and Chris, it's always fun to have. But uh, Bernard. Always a, a gentleman, and uh, it's great to talk to him. Even when I talk to him off uh, off air, he's uh, he's just as pleasant and as nice as you can be. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men, women, police, and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please let them know that you know they're there, um, especially the ladies and gentlemen and, that are wearing those gowns and masks to try and keep us healthy. Um, they're doing a great job. Um, they're putting in long hours uh, for very little pay when, it, when you figure out the hours they're putting in. Uh, this program is dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colquette, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henler, Lieutenant Mike Zerber, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Officer Christman at Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogue of Longwood Police Department, 
Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, <coughs> excuse me, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Cotlow. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Rodney Bond, Delaware State Police. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Arthur Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FDLE Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio. Delaware State Trooper Stephen Bauer, Corporal Stephen Bauer. Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter. Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman, Patrol Deputy Bill Gentry, Highlands County Sheriff's Department. Deputy uh, Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Abel Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department. Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department. And Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields. The sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the hallow of his hands. Good night. God bless and have a great week. Shema Hezahilma Sona Shenevoratfet Hakuig again, my Elma Strength 
Nineteen ninety nine's response to his last emergency. May God rest his soul. <laughs> 